Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. I was thinking um, in the last few weeks as we have been talking about um, the context and the role of the Bible, um, you, you may have heard Pastor Alex say a few times in his prayers that asking that, that the Word of God would cut between bone and marrow. And the, the Bible says that the Word, the Bible, is sharper than a two-edged sword. It can cut or divide between bone and marrow. And the context of that, actually what Paul is saying in that, it's a little bit of a weird analogy for us, but, but he's actually referencing um, the ancient traditions and, and, and practices of the Jews when they would sacrifice an animal to God, okay? So we're way back in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament too. When they would sacrifice an animal, they would cut it open and literally every single part of the animal would be cut. Even the bone would be opened up to expose the marrow. And part of what was happening in that was they were, they were sacrificing and they were opening up this, this animal, this lamb to God saying, there's nothing hidden here. There's nothing that we are holding on to. There's no part of this that we're withholding from you. And so when the Bible says that the word of God is sharp enough to cut between bone and marrow. That's the the example they're giving, is this example that the Word of God is powerful enough to penetrate even into the deepest parts of our lives. The Word of God is powerful enough to transform and change us. And so when Paul is talking about the power and the strength of the Bible in our life and the Word in our life, that's the example that he gives. And it's this picture that if we let it, if we let it, the Word of God will actually open up parts of our life that that we didn't even know existed. And as we give God permission to work in us and through us, he, He walks us through this process of exposing things in our life that that we've been hiding from him and bringing them out into the light and covering them with his grace. And that's the the role of the Bible in our life is actually to reveal truth, even truth that's hidden, even truth that has been pushed aside. Today, we're going to start a couple weeks. I don't know exactly where this is going to go, but um, in this journey we've been on this year to, to simply try somehow to know God more, and not just intellectually, but experientially, to know God more. I've just been reflecting the last few weeks on, on the life of Jesus as, as Pastor Alex has been preaching and, and whatnot. I've just been reflecting on the life of Jesus, and I thought... And I do that because one of the things that, that is, is so frustrating to me, and I do this and we all do it, is we have a very two-dimensional plastic view of Jesus. And I, man, I, I was going to get this. Have you ever seen the Jesus bobblehead thing? We used to have one around. I think, did you have one in your office, Alex? No. All right. So I don't know if you've seen them. 
but they, they, there's a bobblehead Jesus, right? And, and there's a couple of things. I wish I would have remembered to buy one because it'd be a great illustration here. A bit distracting maybe, but, but so this bobblehead Jesus um, is, is inconsistent with the real Jesus from scripture. First of all, he's white. Uh, so Jesus wasn't white, in, cl- in case you're wondering. He was Israeli. He was Jewish. Um, and this bobblehead Jesus just kind of stands there with his arms open and his head shakes back and forth like that. And it can be quite entertaining for a few minutes. But I feel like our, our perception of Jesus is a lot like that. That he's this cosmic guy that walked the earth for a while and that, and that all we do is we kind of we pray to him and, and he shakes his head yes or no and and, and that's about it. But, but Jesus as a person was very complex as a person. He carried these, these almost what you would think would be diametrically opposed character traits of incredible intensity and power. And then moments of incredible gentleness and humility and kindness. And often when we reflect on our Sunday school years, we hear about the kindness of Jesus, but we don't reflect on the power of Jesus and the intensity of him. And we just sung about his name, but I, I want to start us off in the New Testament. If you have your Bible, I, I encourage you to get it out. If you've got the, that note card, I encourage you to take some notes here this morning. We're going to start in John chapter 18. And I'm just going to find my place here. Oh, let's start from the beginning. It seems as good as any place. So John chapter 18, fourth book of the New Testament. After saying these things, so Jesus, uh, Alex actually set the context last week. So Jesus has just had... Uh, dinner with his disciples in the upper room. And we're, we're very close now to the Easter weekend, to the crucifixion of Jesus. And so they've come out of this supper and they're about to have the next step forward in the plans of God. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley. Literally, that word Kidron means black and dark. And actually, through the Old Testament, that was the same spot that David crossed when the whole nation was in an uproar, when the whole nation was torn and his son Absalom was trying to rip the nation out of his hands. He was facing incredible, incredible struggle and difficulty as a king. This is the same valley that is crossed. And sometimes I think that if we're honest with ourselves, those dark places, those hard places, we don't want to cross that valley. We don't, want to, we don't want to make it through to the other side because we're not sure what's going to be there. And so Jesus crosses this Kidron Valley, the valley of darkness, death and blackness, literally in the original translation, with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas the betrayer knew this place. Because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. So Judas is coming with a whole entourage of people ready for a confrontation. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. 
These next few verses are so powerful. If you want to know the power and the strength of Jesus, just pay attention here. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. So he knows right now what's about to take place. The, the people around him aren't even sure of what's going to happen, but Jesus knows exactly how things will transpire. But actually, he steps forward to meet them. So just, just picture that for a minute. In an hour of great distress, overwhelming opposition, in an hour of darkness and, and sorrow and sadness, Jesus, knowing what lies before him, willingly makes the first move and takes the first step into that place of confrontation, into that place of darkness and struggle. He steps forward to meet them. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. Get this. I am he, Jesus said. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. As Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you looking for? Literally, at the mention of his name, something happens in the spiritual realm that literally throws these soldiers and this entourage to the ground. It wasn't that they just kind of stepped back and tripped. Literally, the power and presence of God in him, as he simply acknowledged who he was, went before him and rendered those people around him and in front of him completely useless in the face of his power and his might and his majesty. At the mention of his name, something happens in the physical realm that's triggered in the spiritual realm. When we sing songs like we did today, it's not just simply an exercise of melodic progression and clapping and happiness. It's actually a declaration of the power of God in our lives and through our lives and over our lives. And as Jesus simply acknowledges what is true in the face of confrontation and in the face of aggression and in the face of fear and in the face of doubt and everything that he was experiencing, as Alex mentioned last week, Jesus was fully man. And if you read in some of the other gospels and their perspectives of this story, they talk about the sorrow and anguish of his prayer as he asked God if there was any other way to accomplish his plans. And God says, no, there's not. And so in the face of that deep anguish that the Bible says was so intense that his, his sweat was like drops of blood, he walks willingly into confrontation, simply declares his name, and these men fall to the ground under his power and authority. One of the commentators that I was reading suggested that this was part of his way and God's way to say, look, you may think on the outside you're winning the day here. You know, 
the devil may think that he's got you in a trap you can't get out of. But actually, when Jesus did this, it was God's way of saying, I'm actually still the one in charge here. You may be coming with clubs and spears. You may be arresting Jesus and leading him to his death, but you're not in charge of what's happening here. There's a higher power at work here. And that higher power comes in the name of Jesus. And so in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of what it looks like on the outside to be complete and utter defeat, God is saying, look, I know what you see around you. And I know that you feel like it looks like you're at the end of your rope. And I know that you feel like there's no other alternative, no other option here. I know that you feel like you're pressed in on every side. But I'm not bound to what you see or experience or hear or feel. I operate on a totally different level and I don't answer to the problems that are facing you. I don't bow to those. So if you want to walk in strength and in power, trust me as I lead you through. Of course, confrontation for us isn't always easy. I don't deal well with it at all. You can ask my family. I, I'm what we would affectionately call a turtle, right? So confrontation happens. My head goes in my shell and I just lay there like I'm dead, dormant. I go into silent mode and um, I just don't deal well with it. And I, I remember when I was in grade nine, we had just moved to Saskatchewan. I've told you about the traumatic experience that that was, but we just moved. I just started school and um, there was a kid in, in this school. I think his name was Robert. And if you're listening, Robert, um, I forgive you for everything you did to me in that beginning semester. But I literally knew not one person in the whole high school. We started school about a month in. This kid, Robert, really, really had it out for me. And I don't know what I did to him. I, I'm not sure what I did to him. I, but in gym class, he started really getting in my face and he started kind of harassing me. Then one day, as we're walking to um, the bus stop, I was walking with my older sister, Heidi, to the bus stop. And we get there and Robert is coming from his place and Robert makes a beeline toward me and he gets close to me and then he just grabs me and tries to knee me in the stomach and he starts to fight me. And so in my head, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm bigger than him. I'm stronger than him. And so I start to fight back. And in my head, it's like Rocky versus, you know. The Russian dude, I forget his name, but anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm pummeling this guy. Then out of the corner of my eye, I see my older sister, right? So I'm in grade nine, she's in grade 11. And she comes in and she grabs Robert off of me and she slaps him across the face as hard as she can. And I'm standing there going, oh. in one way, this is really cool. In another way, this is completely demoralizing and humiliating. <laughs> And so I'm standing there. She slaps him across the face and he says, what did you do that for? And she said, because I'm his older sister and you're being mean to him. And I'm going, oh, Lord, this is not making it better. And so she literally diffused the fight right there before school. I was so mad at her for so long for that because it was so humiliating. 
But she came in in the middle of this confrontation and she helped me out because we don't always do well when it comes to confrontation and engaging with other people. And sometimes we, we waffle between these two perspectives where in one perspective we, we come with this sometimes this false humility and this gentleness and, and as turtles, like I do, and we don't want to engage. And then other times we come in guns blazing and we just light the place up. And neither of them, when practiced in their extremes, are healthy. But I think, as we're going to see today, Jesus has a different way for us to follow and it's modeled after his life. I want you to turn with me to the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, chapter five. All right, so this is the same writer of the book of John that, we're, uh, that we were just in, in chapter 18, the same writer. And God is giving him this powerful vision, this powerful vision. And uh, let's just start right at the top of chapter 5. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. So the right hand in the Bible is always a symbol of authority and power. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. So commentators believe that, and scholars believe that the reason that John gets specific about the fact that there was writing on the inside and the outside was that it was a symbol that it was complete, that there was nothing else to add to the story. Whatever was in the scroll was a finished and complete work. There was no more room to write. And I saw it was sealed with seven seals, and I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Verse four, then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. This is talking about Jesus. Then I saw, okay, so get, there, there's a contrast that's happening here. So John is weeping because there's no one worthy, the angel says to him, the lion of the tribe of Judah is strong enough and worthy. Then it says, I saw, and then look what he sees. Then I saw a lamb that was looking as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out in every part of the earth. So I just wanna camp there for a couple minutes because there's some really important things for us to understand. First of all, this is talking about Jesus. And as the angel declares that Jesus is the lion from the tribe of Judah, he's saying a couple things there. What he's saying is that Jesus actually, he's verifying that he is a descendant of the tribe of Judah of Israel. And the 
uh, insignia for that tribe was the lion. That tribe, like we've talked about before, they were the tribe entrusted with worship and praise and adoration in the land. They were the first ones into battle. It was the tribe of Judah, the lions of Israel that would lead their nation into battle every time they faced confrontation. It was the tribe of Judah. And so John is, is seeing this picture and these angels are saying, look, this man, Jesus, this is where he comes from. This is his stock and his lineage. He's strong and he's powerful. He's majestic. He's a warrior. But then get this, that it says when John looked that he saw a lamb. He didn't see a lion when he looked. He saw a lamb. And it wasn't an ordinary lamb. It says that he had seven horns. And seven is the number for completeness and strength in the Bible. Not just a cowering little weeping lamb. But a lamb who was strong in his choice to be gentle and weak at his own choosing. And as I was reading this, I just, I felt like the Holy Spirit just saying to me, Andrew, you've got things backward in your life. You see, you want to be known as someone who's strong and who, who can exert his strength in his family and in his workplace and in his environment. And you lead with that lion's kind of attitude and spirit. And, I, and sometimes I carry that in confrontation. I carry that in my relationships with my kids and my wife. And I carry that. And I carry that externally, that lioness. But it's backwards. Jesus modeled for us and is inviting us today to carry the spirit of a lion spiritually, but the demeanor and disposition of a lamb externally. That it's in our relationship to each other that we exercise gentleness and mercy and kindness and humility and servanthood. And that it's as we engage spiritually that we become strong and bold. As we pray for our families, as we pray for our friends, as we contend for our own lives, we do it with the strength of the Lion of Judah and the tenacity of the Lion. But when we interact with each other, we carry ourselves like lambs, gracious and kind and gentle. And this was the, the, the life that Jesus modeled. This is the picture we saw in the Garden of Gethsemane that in the spiritual realm, just the mention of his name has the power to bowl over soldiers. But his disposition to them was gentleness and kindness and grace and love. And sometimes I think as a church, we've just gotten this all wrong and all backward. We approach other people and each other like a lion and we confront and we, we roar and we, we show our strength externally when God is saying no. It's actually the opposite. I want you to walk like a lamb, but carry the spiritual strength of a lion. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, a gentle word can break a bone. 
Oftentimes we think that gentleness is weakness. Oftentimes we think that humility is foolishness and futile. And that, and that in some way we've got we've to assert our position and we've got to fight for our thoughts and we've got to fight for what we need and want in our marriages and in our family and in our community and as a church with our government and all of these things. We think that we need to stand up and, and roar and show everybody our strength and our territory. When God is saying, look, if you really want to follow the example of Jesus, you'll get really serious about spiritual intensity in your life, about praying with authority, about praying for your kids. Can I just say something to the guys here? Because I've lived this for so long. We think we're strong. When we try to lead our families, we think we exert dominance and authority in our communities and in our workplaces, but we're weak. And you know why we're weak? Because we're spiritual wimps. We want to fight with our wives and discipline our kids and fight for promotion and for work and for influence and for resources and money and all of these other things. We're going to fight for those. But when it comes to praying for our kids, we're wussies. We don't do it. We don't fight for our wives and our sisters and brothers and our families. As men, we walk in weakness because we're not using our spiritual strength. And we've flipped things around. We've turned it around and distorted it when the model that Jesus gives us is to walk like a lamb in our relationships with each other. And fight like a lion spiritually. I've been so challenged by this. In the last season of my life. So challenged at the ways I abdicate leadership in my home and in my community spiritually. And then I have the nerve to, to want God to work on my behalf. To move ahead of me when I'm not cultivating a spirit of strength internally and spiritually. As guys, let's just be honest. We're too busy gratifying our own pleasure. We're too busy looking at porn on the internet and totally demoralizing everyone around us. We're too busy buying into the, the system of the world around us. And we're abdicating our strength spiritually. And it's not just guys, it's women too, but I'm not qualified to speak on that entirely. <laughs> and so here's what I really feel Jesus is challenging us with. Whether you're a man or woman, whether you're in high school, or university, would you actually, would you actually respond to his call to develop the spiritual life of a lion, but the external relationships and interaction of a lamb? Would you trust him enough in your own life 
to not lead with aggression on the outside, but to say, Jesus, whatever it is I'm going through, whatever this struggle is, whatever I'm facing, I believe that, that spiritually you're going ahead of me, and so I want to fall behind you and allow you to work, allow you to move on my behalf. I wonder how things would change in our community if as Christians and and family members, and husbands and wives. I wonder how things would change if we got really serious about our spiritual lives and prayer. Really serious about, about asking God to move in us and through us. And really serious about walking with gentleness and humility in our community. And kindness and grace. A gentle word can break a bone. This is the, the dual nature of Jesus, ferocious and powerful in spirit, but gentle and humble and kind in action and word and deed. Back into John. After the men fall down, Simon Peter, one of his disciples, the guy with the loudest mouth, drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. Again, this is just incredible. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? In one of the other Gospels, it goes on to add the detail that Jesus took that ear that was cut off and he healed him. He put it back on and healed him. This is the strength and the grace of God all in one encounter. The power of Jesus spiritually, but the kindness and the grace and the mercy of him in interaction with others. As we walk into this Easter season and as we take a few weeks to just look at the life of Jesus, who he was, I just feel like I just feel like the Holy Spirit is imploring us and inviting us to turn the dial up in our spiritual lives. Say, Jesus, show me how to, how to walk in the Spirit like a lion. but how to walk like a lamb with my family and my friends and my community. I'm going to invite you to stand. I don't know, Jesus might be coming soon. If I'm ending early this morning, there's something's going on. We're just going to take a minute to pray. And I, I just, I want to give you a, a chance to just respond and I want to pray with you. So as you close your eyes, I, I just feel like, like God is reminding each one of you this morning. Number one, that his mercy triumphs over his judgment.
Number two, that his grace is sufficient for you today. There's nothing that you have done or are doing that disqualify you from becoming a lion spiritually. There's nothing that you've done that disqualifies you from God powerfully working in you, from you having spiritual effectiveness. But his invitation is, would you begin the process of coming back to me and realigning your life to prioritize what's happening spiritually? And so Jesus, in your name, that name that, that sent those soldiers to the ground, that name that was whispered, and in the supernatural realm, things trembled and shook. In your name, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just take authority over any spirit of shame or guilt or condemnation in Jesus' name. Your word says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're just processing this morning and, and, and you would agree with me in, in that somehow in some way you want to begin to reprioritize your spiritual life and you want to be strong spiritually and have the spiritual strength to carry yourself like a lamb externally. I just want you to lift your hand, just raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you this morning. Yeah, I see those hands. Jesus, we lift our hands to you as a sign of surrender and submission, as a, as a sign of humility before you. God, we're sorry for so often we, we carry ourselves on the exterior like lions, but we're weak spiritually on the inside. We're apathetic and we, we lack drive and, and determination. And so, Father, I just pray for everyone whose hand is raised. Holy Spirit, that you would renew their passion for you, that you would renew their passion for God, that you would renew their lives spiritually. Father, I pray that you would compel them to begin to pray for their, their kids and their, their family, their brothers and sisters, their parents, their friends at school. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would compel them to spend time in the word, that, that you would give them the strength they need spiritually to face any obstacle that may be in their way this week and in the weeks to come. Father, we ask for a renewal spiritually in our lives and in our community. Jesus, we pray that you would give us the strength of a lion spiritually, but, but that you would give us the disposition of a lamb in our interaction with others. Father, this week that we would be led into kindness and gentleness, in the face of even confrontation and in the, in the face of injustice even this week. We ask for gentleness and mercy and grace. And Father, may those things that we carry externally be a powerful manifestation of your presence in us. And Lord, even when we feel like we're on the losing end of the argument 
or on the short end of the stick, or we feel like we've been unfairly treated. Father, I pray that you would challenge us to bring it to you in prayer first before we make any decisions, before we reply or respond. Father, would we come to you trusting you to move ahead of us? So Jesus, we give you our lives again this morning. We surrender them to you and We just ask that you'd show us more of yourself this week, that you'd move on us in power. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.